We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code Greg88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code Greg88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Ladies and gentlemen, the best two words in all of sports. Game, Game seven. seven. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of BoomtownHoops.com. This is Jacob. I've got Taylor along with me. I don't know what to do with my hands. Also, he's had a major thunder here. Thunder have a ride in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Taylor, the dogs are not having it. Yes, they are. They are just as fired up as we are. Game seven. I did not think we would get here, but here we are. Wednesday at I don't even know what time the game tips off. I haven't even looked yet. Uh, I guess that's probably something Another important eight that o'clock. I need to do. I that earlier. It'll be eight o'clock. Man. But we have a game seven between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets, as the Thunder win game six, one o four to 100 probably the biggest playoff game that russell westbrook has won the oklahoma city thunder in years i mean just an incredible job in the clutch first 
Game 7 for the Thunder since the 2016 meltdown against the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Taylor, how do we get here? Let, let's So, for those of you listening... I'm still not sure. <laughs> I got to tell you all, Taylor and I are typically very diligent about like filling out um, a an outline and getting all of our thoughts organized to keep the pod moving forward and, and in a civilized manner. And as soon as this game ended, I called Taylor and I said, dude, F the outline, F it all. Let's just do it live. Let's pull a Bill O'Reilly, F it. I was going to we'll say, do F it, it live. let's do it live. That's right. We um, just want to get man. our unfiltered thoughts out there about this game. So, Taylor, let's just start at the beginning. Start at the beginning. Um, I think – so you and I actually had a – I mean, obviously very biasedly, I thought we had a pretty solid uh, periscope halftime – or halftime periscope where we kind of discussed the Thunder's first half woes and also some positives that kept them in the game. Um, one thing that stood out to me is that the, the Rockets were not hitting their open shots – some of that was due to some really good Thunder defense. Again, Shea probably played his best defense of the series in that first half. Unfortunately, as we'll get into, um, it was only the first half of this game. But nevertheless, uh, there's just some really good solid defense played in the first half by the Thunder. Um, but there were still some times where they just left the Rockets wide open. And fortunately for the Thunder, uh, the Rockets were not hitting those shots tonight compared to some of the past previous games of this series. Um we saw guys like Baisley step up in the first half, and that continued in the second half. I think we mentioned that some. And then Gallo, after starting out, out cold, like he kind of has this entire series, he got it going, and he kind of took over in that first half. Definitely. Now, Let's talk about those two power forwards real quick, okay? I, think uh, I know we're going off the cuff highlights. here. Yeah, so I'm going to pause you. Let's talk about those two guys. Darius Baisley, 22 minutes, 8 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, only 1 turnover, and a plus 7 in the plus minus. Baisley was phenomenal. I mean, a, a rookie in a game. One elimination of two from the field. Yeah, 1 of 2 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3. So he, the only 2 shots he took from the he field only were 3s. Two shots? 5 wild. of 6 from the free throw line. It feels like just, so much more than that. Yeah, just a relentless assault at the rim for Darius Baisley. And I was more impressed with his defense. His defense was phenomenal. In fact, he even got praise from the TNT crew. That was Chris Weber and I forget who else, but much deserved. Very, much, much deserved. Much exactly. deserved. Exactly. The other power forward, Danilo Gallinari, uh, finally arriving in the series. 25 so points on 53% shooting, 44% from three, five rebounds, an assist, two steals. He started. Excuse me. He started cold, and then he just found it, and he started hitting shots in the second quarter, and then that third quarter, he just went flamethrower mode. I mean, he kept the Thunder alive. Um, he, I think Danilo Gallinari, dive into, but Danilo Gallinari and Chris ahead. Paul are the reason they won this game. Oh, absolutely. And Hands down. I tweeted that the entire game um, from the time that Gallo started to get it going. We talked about in the halftime periscope again, uh, and also there in the third quarter, when Gallo kept that team alive, after the Thunder really kind of faltered there to start the third, as we've seen so many times in this series and honestly off and on throughout the entire season. Um, Gallo kept that team alive, but I, I, I tweet out immediately, there has to be somebody else, one of these three-point guards, have to step up and join Gallo. And sure enough, it was clutch ball. Yep. Um, there in the fourth quarter, it wasn't just clutch time that he stepped up. It was the entire fourth, which was just phenomenal. I Those back-to-back -back threes were insane. <laughs> just, I mean, I tweeted the game was over. Um, as soon as, what was it? Um, oh, Shooter didn't get the charge. 
or sorry, he did not get the charge call. PJ got the um, offensive foul on Schroeder. And then Chris Paul got the technical. And at that point, I just thought the game was over. I think there's three minutes left. You pulled I know that's Nick. plenty of time. I did. And uh, you know what? It works. <laughs> it so you know what? The worked. Thunder are going to lose game seven. There it is. Positive well, jinx. We talked about Gallo with a, with a cold start. I want to talk about who was feeding him at the beginning, Lou Dort. Very clearly an adjustment by the coaching staff that when Lou caught at the perimeter, he would attack. Right. And he was doing a great job getting downhill and then kicking out to shooters. Now, we also saw him get downhill and turn it over a lot. Define five turnovers. Great. I was going to say, define great, Jacob. Like, yeah. you absolutely love That's what he has to do. And as, as an undrafted rookie, throwing in a game six elimination game, not just any game six, it's a game six elimination game. You're down 3 2. Um, you can't ask for much more from Ludor, but, and this is absolutely a learning experience for him. But all of that to say, I'm not just going to, I mean, those five turnovers hurt. Um, and there was times where he's driving to the rim. He almost looks like Hamadou Diallo. Yeah, he was very reckless at times. Right. But I did like early on the drive and the kicks to the corner. Gallo got so three open looks. Than like couldn't the, hit our, them. Right, 16 threes or whatever it was. Yeah, like. but Lou's offensive stat line tonight, 13 points on five of nine shooting, two of six from three. So 55% from the field, 33% from three, one of two so from the free better. throw line, three rebounds and an assist. Like, you take that. That is that is an ideal Lou Dort offensive stat line tonight. So, Jacob, last night on the uh, our, our Sunday night, Monday podcast that we dropped, um, you and I talked about, or you, I, and Kamiar, all three of us talked about uh, the offensive, move, off-ball movement that we need to see on offense. There need to be more movement. And with Dort doing some of that tonight. Now, granted, I would still like to see him do more of that. Uh, like you said, it was more of him just driving to the rim tonight instead of him just posting up, you know, and shooting three-point shots in the corner. Um, but nevertheless, I think that's huge for this team. And it just, like you said, it creates so much more for them when he's driving to the rim and is able to kick out to open shooters. Unfortunately, he's not an incredible passer at this point of his career because he's so young. Uh, compared to guys like Chris and even Shea had some fantastic passes when he drove and kicked to the rim. Uh, or sorry, who drove to the rim and kicked to open shooters. But that, that creates so much more for this offense, and that allows Lou to stay on the floor. But I think what's interesting is that you know Lou picked up three quick fouls in that first half, and it's what the Thunder were able to do with Lou off the floor. And I would argue, Jacob, this is the lineup that I wanted to bring up. And again, we're just kind of no, no, uh, no outline here. We're just kind of going off the top. One lineup I want to talk about is a Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Lou Dort, Nerlens Noel, and Darius Baisley lineup. I I haven't looked at the numbers yet again because we're just doing this right after the post or right after the game ended. But I feel like that was the Thunder's best lineup that we maybe have seen this entire series just because of the implications of this game six. It was yeah, it was a fun one for sure. And again, I think it goes back to just how great Darius Baisley has been. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. It's a good time to pivot just to basically in general because he played a phenomenal game. Um, like you said, defensively, it's crazy to me that he only shot as, as many times as you said because I thought he shot a lot more than two times. Uh, but he, like you said, he had eight points because he was aggressive and driving to the rim. Uh, but just his defense, I think, was just so impactful, uh, both in the first and second half, that it really surprised me that <laughs> Billy didn't keep him on the floor. Um Billy frustrated me a lot today. I got to be completely honest with you. I'm, not, I, oh. I, I'm pretty sure you feel the same. Let's let's dive into it because you and I were both kind of going in on Twitter. 
we've been preaching small ball, and this dude trotted out Stephen Adams, Danilo Gallinari, and, and Darius, Darius Baisley. In the same and I was like, man, lineup. he read Twitter.com and is sending us a virtual middle finger right now. <laughs> <laughs> only only explanation. We've been calling for Bays to play at the five, and he put him at the three. I don't know what's going on. Now, I will say, Steven Adams has feasted on the glass. Nine offensive rebounds, 14 total rebounds tonight. That's great. But that's three of nine from the field. It's, if right. Steven cannot finish, the, I mean, he's getting blocked at the rim. He's on a fast break catching a pass instead of dunking it, like floating up this little bullshit floater that rims off. Exactly. If you have four inches and 40 pounds on the biggest, other second biggest person on the court, utilize it. I, like, I, I, Taylor, I don't get it. But I the most frustrating part for me, Jacob, is not even, oh, I say that. It's probably equal because you're exactly right. If he's that big, I mean, you expect we expect to Steven dunk if he's, the he, damn right, dunk the damn ball. ball. But also, he's not quick enough to cover those wings. That's this is what yeah. Houston does. Well, like we and mentioned even, in the periscope, like he he's going to be sorry not to interrupt you, but he's he's going to be critical. And and if if you were to match up with the Denver Nuggets, or if you were to match up with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, or the the Utah Jazz. But we're not. We're playing against the Houston Rockets, and he just cannot cover those shooters. So if he's not going to be effective on the offensive end, you can't play him. And that that was my whole point. I wasn't really considering when we went through the uh, halftime periscope. I wasn't considering Gallo big just because of the role he plays on this team. Um, I was just thinking of Nerlens, um, Baisley, and Adams. And although, like you said, Adams did create ton of second chance points or second chance opportunities i should say for this Thunder team tonight basically was the best big for this team tonight and arguably the entire series and sorry go ahead no i totally agree the problem is adams is on defense is playing off of his man which is either jeff green or pj tucker right and guarding the paint and leaving those guys open and then trying to close out and he doesn't close out quick enough because he's a big man but even playing in the paint he's not protecting the rim because like Harden starts to drive, Adams rotates over, and Harden just goes right around him, gets him turned around every time. So it's like, it's the same thing, and I think Nerlens is even more egregious to rack up 16 minutes tonight. Yes, Nerlens can block shots at the rim, but I mean, I was watching Nerlens in the fourth quarter play 15 feet off Jeff Green, digging all the way down into the lane and letting Jeff Green have wide open threes. Now, did Jeff Green kill OKC tonight? No, and luckily so. He only had three points on one to five shooting but the idea is Nerlens rotates all the way down he's not guarding out on the perimeter and Nerlens is a net negative offensively like he yeah. is he is not offering you anything at all offensively and so you would rather have somebody like Baisley play the five and guard Jeff Green who matches up with Jeff really well than Nerlens Noel does and so that part is also frustrating the fact that Billy continues to want to run that starting lineup uh, not just at the start of the first and the third quarters, but like in the fourth quarter, he put that starting lineup out there. I was like, bro, what have you not seen in the past six games that tells you that this is going to work? That's what I tweeted out. You know, tw- the sample size is yeah. fucking massive. We know that lineup isn't going to work. You're putting two non-shooters on the court in Dort and in Adams. And hey, shout out to Lou Dort for burying those back-to-back threes. Probably the stabilizer that won Oklahoma City this game. We always look at the end of a game to say, oh, Chris Paul won them this game. Oh, those Gallo free throws won them this game. But those two Lou Dort three-point shots 
were the stabilizers that I think whenever you look at the grand scheme of this game, maybe you won it for OKC. Absolutely right. Uh, that's why you have to keep – I mean, <laughs> I got to find the right way to say this. You don't want to keep shooting those threes for an entire series, right, if you're wide open and continuing to miss them, as we've seen with Andre Robertson in the past. But with Lou – he didn't over. He found the right balance this game. I think is what I'm trying to say. You know, he like you like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Jacob. He drove to the rim and was aggressive because he knew that he wasn't making those threes earlier in the or especially his past game, game five. So he was trying to be more aggressive and create for others or draw fouls for himself, which he was able to do. Which then, when he was wide open and nobody was guarding him because of great ball movement or just because nobody was guarding him, he took those threes and he made them count. And so to that point, Eric Horn tweeted out the end of the third quarter, Lou Dort actually went on an 8-0 run of his own against the Houston Rockets, which is just, like you said, that that honestly is is what wins you a basketball game, especially in a playoff series. So that, uh, that is huge. And while we don't want to see Lou continue to take just a plethora of three-point shots like he did in Game 5, I think what he did today is a perfect balance because they can't guard. He's so big and strong. You know, they, they can't stop him unless they just take offensive foul. You're not going to get a charge called every single possession, right? When Lou drives through the rim, so that opens up the three. He does get him called a, a lot more. on him, though, I feel like. He does. And and some of those P.J. Tucker, I mean, P.J. Tucker's a pro at that. Um, but even then, you know, he's so good at maneuvering his way to the rim using his strength. Um, I think using the balance of both of those allows him to have better looks at the three-point line where he can capitalize on some of those shots like he did tonight. And uh, he doesn't have to shoot, what was it, like, shoot. He, he shot 16 times, I think, in game five, but it was like 13 of those were from three. Just something wild. Yeah. So, Taylor, um, we've, we've recapped game six a bit. Let's take some Twitter and Discord questions, and then we'll give our game seven thoughts, and then let our listeners get out of here. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Awesome. Before we get to those Twitter and Discord questions, though, we got to take a minute and tell our listeners about our awesome sponsors for the week. You count on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. And ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too, which is super important during this time. That's not a part of this ad read, but I highly encourage you guys to look at those as well. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. Right now, our listeners of The Uncontested and Blue Wire Podcast can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. You guys can use it for Game 7. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels, you'll never miss your favorite teams and your favorite plays. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Just use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout 
to get 15% off your subscription. Again, that's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, Taylor, let's start with Twitter questions. Uh, Our first one comes from at, I think it's Carol underscore T, says, I need someone to explain to me why Ferg gets any minutes over Homie or Nader in those second team runs. I literally see no reason why Homie's energy or Nader's length would be less desirable for six to eight minutes in a game than anything Ferg has to offer. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start this with the argument that we made on Sunday's podcast. Or I, I keep saying Sunday because that's when we record it, but Monday's podcast um, earlier today, we dropped a weekly podcast. We made a little bit of an argument for Ferguson, so I'll make that argument, and then I'll make the counter-argument for why I tweeted out during this game that it wasn't working and why maybe a Nader would work here. Um, so Ferguson has historically played really good defense on Harden. Um, or, or solid defense, maybe above average defense is the proper term there against Harden. And even in his limited minutes prior to today's, to today's game, I, he played really well on him. Um, again, very small sample size, but taking that into consideration with how he's played Harden in the past um, and his sound defense there and the fact that he can actually present some sort of outside threat um, that defenses have to somewhat expect – we thought it may be good to use that adjustment. And if, you know, if Doris not going to hit any of those three point shots, which again, he ended up doing so today, thank goodness, <laughs> but maybe Ferguson's way to go there. So I thought that was a good call by Billy, especially when Dort has three fouls. Now the issue is Ferguson struggled defensively and offensively, and he wasn't guarding James Harden. He was guarding a more explosive drive to the rim type player in Russell Westbrook. And it was not working. We saw him foul Russ late. Um, he wasn't able to stay in front of him. And then obviously just from the very beginning, his first three-point shot was an air ball. And it just went, kind of went downhill from there. So at that point, you're, I think that question is exactly spot on. Um, I think that you could give those like, I don't want to see Nader get like 10 plus minutes by any means. But if you throw him in there for six, seven, eight minutes to try and buy Dort some more time to a rest and b stay out of foul trouble i think nader is the guy who can just randomly hit rattle off two or three three pointers back-to-back possessions as we've seen this season that can really give you a spark offensively and can play solid enough defense it's not good by any means but solid enough defense which Ferguson's basically playing anyways so that's kind of my whole stance on it that's why we said that yesterday it was good to see billy make that adjustment but it obviously wasn't working and to this uh, this question, I think it absolutely makes sense to play Nader um, or, or somebody like that in those minutes that can contribute on the offensive side because I think that's maybe more valuable against a team like Houston. Jacob, Interesting. You- See, I, I have the opposite opinion. I would rather them play Ferg than Nader because you know what you're getting defensively from Ferg. I don't think Nader's going to come in and change the game in six to eight minutes offensively, but I think he can change the game negatively in his six to eight minutes defensively. And... You know, they're not relying on points in that six to eight minutes from whoever's playing it. And so I think I would rather have the more sound defender in Terrence Ferguson out there. But I think that's just a personal choice. I also think that's the way Billy is leaning as well. It's absolutely the way Billy is leaning. Uh, 100%. <laughs> next, next question from at GED underscored Sharer. How big of an adjustment was Dort attacking the rim? And do you think Billy should play the guards and Gallo for long stretches 
in Game 7. Uh, Taylor, we already talked about Dort attacking the rim to start the game. The turnovers suck, but I thought the balance of Dort catching and attacking off the dribble and then dishing, and then also still shooting some threes to keep them honest, uh, I thought that was a massive offensive adjustment for the Thunder tonight. Absolutely. There's uh, nothing you can do if you're Houston Rockets there other than just cross your fingers and hope that you get P.J. Tucker on door every single switch and he's able to draw those offensive fouls right on door. Yep. Um, so I, I agree with you there completely. And then what's the last part of that question? Um, right. should, should Billy play the four guards plus yes, Gallo for long stretches in game seven? I think we're on the same page here. Yes, he, he absolutely should. And I was a little disappointed um, that he didn't in this game. And I think his, his clutch players kind of, I say clutch players, but his, his leading scores kind of built him out here and Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari. Um, and I, that just worries me. I think he's going to lean on his, you know, what he's always done. He, he thinks it's going to work and he's going to continue to do that in game seven. I worry that's something that can lose you the game in a elimination yeah. game. We'll we'll see that the tension in that game is going to be tight. Gonna be very tight. Um, from at Ahmed Modafar, I think I pronounced that right. At Ahmed Modafar asks, "What's going on with Shea? Man hasn't been since the same since he hit that clutch three. Uh, I think that was the game that forced overtime. Past two games, Shea has been poor. I thought Taylor and we talked about this on the Periscope." Tonight, his defense was much, much better. But offensively, again, very hesitant. I would like to see Shea break out of that in a Game 7. This is your opportunity to shine. Take advantage of it. Yeah, I actually tweeted that um, because I was a little worried when I saw Shea checking in there. Uh, I think was in the. I think I tweeted that like midway through the fourth quarter because that lineup was working so well. I mentioned earlier, it was Schroeder, CP3, Dort, um, Baisley, and Noel. Obviously, that's not probably your five best players, um, and we know that. But uh, but Shea has really struggled with this Houston defense, and he's even mentioned as much early on in the series. And so that's uh, I think that definitely is throwing some curveballs at him. But what I really love from him in the first half was his aggression. He wasn't doing what Dort was doing, just you know going to the rim no matter you know hell bent on going to the rim no matter what. He's making the right decisions. He was hitting some. Uh, some pullback, some some setback threes. He was uh, driving to the rim and dishing out and finding the open shooter. He was drawing fouls. Had the perfect combination. But then the second half, especially in that third quarter, when the Thunder kind of did their third quarter thing to start the third, but thankfully it didn't last nearly as long as this game. I felt like he kind of uh, he kind of struggled there, and so and from that point forward, he just kind of let CP3 handle it. You know, it was yeah. like, I mean, it's on the fourth quarter. Just throw the ball at CP3. One of the big things for Shea for me is he's got to start drawing fouls again because I think he has zero free throw attempts in the past two games, and that is oh, unacceptable that's for, terrible. for Shea. That's a terrible but stat. I think his defense is good. Um, it was a lot better tonight. Better. Yeah. And the step back three was there. And if you've noticed, he's now starting. Whenever he hits that step back three, he typically dribbles, goes off his left foot to plant, pushes back, and then shoots the three, and now he's starting to utilize that and plant off his left foot, step back, but keep the dribble alive and hang it for a second to get the That's defender to so jump nice. out, and then he goes around them. The thing is, the lane is constantly clogged, so he's going around and then trying to swing it, but he, he's got the step back three now. He's got defenders responding to that, and he now has the slitheriness to hit that step back, keep the dribble alive, 
make the defender lunge out and then go against that momentum. Uh, that's and something I noticed in the, yep. in, in the second half a lot today. Uh, next question from friend of the pod uh, and cover covering the Philadelphia 76ers for Liberty Ballers at Harrison underscore Grimm says, how many draft picks do I need to throw at you to give up CP3 for Horford? All of them. <laughs> More. Le- legitimately, if you could get two, I think you do it. If you get two first oh, rounders yeah. from Philly. You do I think, it. I think Philly would push back and say, no, we'll give you one. And then Presley would push back and it'd be a game of back and forth. And I think what you probably would land on would be a, uh, a first rounder, a future first rounder, whatever Presley decides on. <laughs> and then one of those young players, um, Thibel, maybe a little bit oh, of a see, push. I think they would rather give up another think, first than one of their young guys because they oh, okay. need. See, I think they give up like Zyra. They, they said that we'll give you Smith and um, a really nice first rounder instead of two first rounders. It'll it'll be interesting, but if the Thunder could snag two first rounders, that would oh, essentially mean steal. they traded yeah. Russell Westbrook for three years of Al Horford, four first round picks, and two pick swaps. But to Harrison's point, I don't think I don't even think the Sixers will do that. That's just there's there's still quite a bit of money left on CP3's contract. So unless you think he's absolutely going to get you a championship, um, I still think even I think he pushes them really close. Oh, I I do too. I just don't know if they make that gamble. Maybe they do. Maybe Embiid and Simmons put enough pressure on them that they yep, do it. Yeah, we'll see. All right, uh, last Twitter question from at uh, TimeFormUSFigs. That's an interesting at. <laughs> he says, can't play Adam slash Dort together in game seven, right? Um, you would think not. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely going to happen. It's, they're going to start the first and the third like that. It's just going to happen. Yep. Um, I so. would like to see, especially if the Thunder are struggling in the second half, I would really like to see Billy just give in and, and go to that, that small ball lineup. Um, our friend Salmon of the pod, you know, who came on to preview the series with us, a fellow Blue Wire podcast member, he even tweeted out often during the first half. Like, I just, he, he was just basically shocked that Billy was still hell bent on playing those lineups. And um, honestly, so was I. Um, I think Billy did. He was more flexible in the sense that he he subbed in different guys around them. You saw Darius Baisley have a huge game. I think Darius Baisley may be the like the unsung player of the game for today's game because he he just, was awesome. Oh man, I mean he he kept possessions alive, um, and he did so much, especially during those those minutes when Harden was off. He he really boosted that Thunder bench and allowed them to win those minutes when when Harden wasn't on the floor. Um, but I still, like you said, Jacob, I still worry that. <laughs> We're going to stick to those same lineups. And I just am so worried that D'Antoni is going to outcoach, outmaneuver uh, Billy Donovan in Game 7. Even though he doesn't have a whole lot of options, I think he's going to see what they did in Game 6. And if Billy doesn't adjust, which I'm concerned he's not going to, I think the, the Rockets can pull off Game 7 just simply based off coaching. It's definitely a possibility. Uh, Taylor, do we have any Discord questions to go through? We do. We have a couple, uh, which is perfect to end this because we have some really awesome uh, Twitter questions here. Um, Clem1007 wasn't so much of a question as much as it was a uh, just statement, although he whispered it. Whisper in quotations. Whispers. SGA needs to be better. What do you think, Jacob? Uh, Let's talk about SGA. Yeah, so we, I mean, we kind of already uh, went in depth with SGA. It, it just looks like he's being non aggressive again. I would like to see that change. Um, He's also playing more in isolation, and I want to see him play more in the flow of the offense. But defensively, I thought 
and I tweeted this, Game 5 to Game 6 for Shea defensively was just night and day. Absolutely night and day. Game 5, he was horrendous defensively. You could tell that they called him out in film, that he took it personal, and that he wanted to improve. And I saw uh, a a very engaged Shea Gilgis-Alexander defensively tonight. You need that in Game 7, but then he's also got to be his confident self offensively going to the rim. I want to see Shea shoot like six to eight free throws in game seven because that means he's being aggressive and he's attacking the cup, and that's what he needs. I agree completely. And uh, if we are fortunate enough to see the Thunder advance into the second round, I think we'll see that against other teams. He really has struggled and has really been challenged, although I think it's fantastic for his future development um, against these Houston defenders. Uh, just the switchable... You know, like I said in last night's podcast, anywhere from six foot four to six foot four to six foot seven defenders being switched onto you, I think that's been a big challenge for Shea. But I also think it's been great for his development, and uh, I cannot wait to see how he he improves off of that. What worries me is Game Seven because we aren't going to see that in one game. Um, so we're going to have to rely on this kind of the same thing as we did tonight, and uh, that worries me a tad. However, uh, I'm trying to go through here uh discord they kind of discuss shay after that question some really good again go go join the boomtown hoops discord if you guys haven't already because there's some really good discussions on these but our guy eku and it's not eku plot twist uh he we were messaging we were talking he said actually you know not a big deal but it's eku not eku so eku asked us some really good questions here jacob i'm excited to get your your thoughts on them this will be a perfect way to end the podcast he, he talked about the officiating, especially in the first quarter. You know, Lou was called for three fouls, and he called them two defensive phantom, or sorry, two phantom defensive fouls, one offensive foul. And those two fouls in Dort were massive momentum calls. Um, basically, Billy wasn't able to play Dort in the, in, in the second quarter. We talked about Ferguson getting those minutes. Harden is also constantly lowering his shoulders and throwing elbows when he drives to the basket, but is really, really called for it. Um, you know, we, we see a lot of Houston's fans clamoring for OKC fan, or OKC players doing that, but you know, he's saying Harden is doing that as well. So, what did you guys think of the officiating? Is what Eku is asking us. I, I typically don't like to criticize officiating because I think everyone can bitch about officiating, regardless of what team you're on. Um, I did think that there were some questionable calls um for the thunder especially like lou dort guarding james harden um the one that stood out the most to me was they got nerlens on a goaltend uh but earlier in the game when steven got blocked at the rim because he didn't want to freaking dunk the basketball um uh robert covington hit the rim on that block and got his hand up on the rim and touched the rim which is also a goaltend uh and they missed that one so that was a little frustrating Besides that, I do think Harden gets away. Uh, the whole Rockets team flops a lot, and I know I say that, and Chris Paul is on the Thunder, uh, but the whole Rockets team does exaggerate contact a lot, especially P.J. Tucker, uh, which is very frustrating. But I didn't think the the foul discrepancy was awful in this game. Actually, I'm looking up right now. Uh, Thunder uh, total fouls had 16 called on them versus Houston had 19 called on them. Right. Uh, free throw attempts for Houston, 12, versus for the Thunder, 18. So it actually leaned in the Thunder's uh, advantage. Um, but I, I also get what you're coming from as far as it feels like Harden gets away with a lot. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, That's the perks of being a, a an all-star and a superstar. But I sure did see from our, our Houston followers that we follow on the account um, a lot of replays of that Chris Paul hook going towards Harden's growing um, and then replays from the previous games and then, you know, the dinner shooter hook and all that stuff. And I get that. I'd be equally upset if I were a Thunder fan, but my point is I think it's been equal both ways. Um, I just hope they both keep it clean because this has been pure, incredible, high-intensity basketball. Let's not run it with just some of that bullshit. Excuse my language, but yeah, I mean, you know No, I'm with you. Let's not run it. Um, so you also asked about Darius Baisley. Uh, we aren't going to answer this question because we, we really have dove, dove into Baisley a lot here. He's talked about how high his IQ is, how great a pick it was uh, already, potentially from Presti, if he continues to improve like he has. And he asked, how do we think Baisley played? Obviously, we think he played fantastic, and we'd really like to see him get more minutes um, in Game 7. But He's growing up before our eyes. Exactly. He really is. Exactly. Now, finally, he said, let's also give credit to Donovan. And this is an interesting question because we mean you have feedback on this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to Donovan being extremely flexible and adjustable today. He rode units like Baisley and Noel bench unit when they were hot. He abandoned his natural rotations, bringing in Gallo earlier because Baisley is playing so well. Billy used door at the right times, made a choose his runs by calling timeouts, and had CP3 in the game when he needed to be. How do you guys think Billy did? Now, those I, were I was, all positives of Billy's game today. Yeah, I was a little he bit frustrated. Back especially uh, in the fourth quarter when he put Adams in, ran their traditional uh, Gallo and a traditional big, and then subbed Chris out for Dort, uh, which immediately resulted in like a 5-0 Houston run. And, and then he called a timeout. And I was like, no shit. What did you think was going to happen? Right. You know, like um, the the most frustrating part to me is I still think even though Lou is struggling offensively, he has to match Harden's minutes because Dennis Schroeder tries hard but just gets bulldozed he's just every not strong time. Enough, just like we yeah. talked about at halftime. Yep. He's yeah, he's just not strong enough. And so, but um, I mean, hey, Billy's in the NBA. I'm not. Billy just forced a game seven. I didn't. So that is fair. And uh, it's not like Billy's a terrible coach. That's not what we're saying by all this. We just would like to see more adjustments for him in the same way that Bud really struggled with his adjustments again today in uh, game one against Miami Heat, and he did so uh, last year against the uh, Toronto Raptors in the, Definitely. In the, in the I guess, the semifinals um, last year. So all that's to say that Billy's a fantastic – he's a great coach, but I would like to see more adjustments from him, I think, moving forward in game seven if the Thunder are going to capitalize off this. Otherwise – we need performances like we saw from Gallo and Chris Paul today to yep. be able to win. So, Taylor, with all that being said, Game 7, Wednesday night, must-watch. T- we get two Game 7s two nights in a row. Tomorrow we get the Donovan Mitchell-Jamal Murray show, so bring your damn popcorn. And then Wednesday we get Thunder Rockets Game 7. Tell me, Taylor, what has to happen uh, very quickly for Game 7 to go the Thunder's way and for us for the first time as a podcast to cover a round two matchup. Man, that's crazy. Well, uh, one stat that we haven't mentioned about the entire podcast, I actually don't have this stat pulled up other than that the Thunder um, out-rebounded the Houston Rockets 56-46, to 46, which is great. The issue was their second-chance points um, was not nearly as good as it should be for out-rebounding a team by, by 10 rebounds. That needs to improve. Um, and if that never goes down, it should be because Billy adjusts to the small ball and plays his best players on the court at the same time. Whether that's the three-point card lineup with Lou and Gallo, or whether that's subbing in Baisley, who's, again, I said this last night on our podcast, but has been the best bench player 
in this series outside of Dennis Schroeder as a yep. rookie. Um, I think those two things are huge. And also, you need at least two of those leading scorers of the Thunder the entire season. SGA, Chris Paul, Gallo. Uh, you could say four uh, and add Schroeder in there. You need two of those guys to have 20-plus points again, or otherwise you're not going to win that game seven. And everything in my body is telling me that James Harden and Russell Westbrook are going to bring it. I think that leads me to another point. Just really quick before you jump in, Jacob, um, you have to kind of take advantage of Russ and his emotions in Game 7. He's going to want to do everything he can to uh, win that game. So you have to win those minutes when Harden's on the floor and they're staggering Russ because he will do what he did today. And what we, unfortunately, as much as I love Russ, the past two playoff series, honestly three playoff series that we've seen from Russ, indicate that this is what he will do. Emotion will get the best of him. You have to play to that and win those minutes when Harden's off the floor. And if you do that, you can win game seven and move on and play the Lakers. Uh, yeah, I think all your points are valid. I mean, game seven is clutch time. It is a clutch time game. It is nut up or shut up. Je- you said you expect James Harden to go off. James Harden struggles in closeout games. James Harden struggles when all eyes are on him and the game is on the line. We've seen it countless times in the playoffs. Chris Paul has also done that. Uh, Russell Westbrook has also done that. It's going to be interesting considering that Houston has more experienced players. The Thunder uh, are playing, God, three 21 or younger kids in a seven- to eight-man rotation. So the the youth uh, and the moment is going to be fascinating. I would love, love, love to watch a guy like Shea rise in the moment in a game seven and go off for like 30, you know, yes. and, and I help the Thunder. I was coming today, but you're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see that happen. Um, a lot of Thunder players have also been in these, you know, tightly contested playoff series before. Steven Adams has been there. Uh, I think Gallo's been in a few. Chris Paul's obviously been in numerous ones. It's going to be fun. Um, it's going to depend on really defense, who steps up, and... I kind of like the Thunder's chances. The momentum, again, seems to be kind of in their favor after this win, after closing it out. Another clutch performance. I mean, Houston the games that Houston has won have been blowouts. Yes. The games the Thunder have won have come down into the clutch. And that worries me a little bit. Um, Game seven. Well, game seven, you almost assuredly feel like it. I mean, everyone's going balls out. That that's going to come down and be a tightly contested game at the end. And I don't care about James Harden and Russell Westbrook because they have not performed well in the clutch historically in the playoffs. You're right. You're right. Um, the Thunder have done it all year. I like the Thunder's chances in Game 7. So to your point, just the last thing to add here, um, you know, we mentioned Chris Paul, but we don't really dive in depth to what just he did today. And um, I actually have a notification here from my CBS Sports app. CP3 scores 15 of his 28 points in the fourth quarter. Clutch Paul. Clutch Paul. All right, Taylor, as I start to pump the outro music and get out of here, give me one hot take for Game 7. Oh, man. Chris. Just say it. Just say it. I want to say Chris Paul is going to be the reason that the Thunder win Game 7 and move on to Round 2, but that doesn't seem that hot. So let's just say uh, Darius Baisley gets more minutes than Steven Adams in Game 7. Boom. All right, that's mildly warm. Shea Gilgis-Alexander goes 25-10-7 on positive shooting splits uh, and takes over 
in Game 7 to win the Thunder, their first playoff series since Kevin Durant left. Thank you for checking out The Uncontested. <laughs> we will be back with you after Game 7. Damn, the best two words in, in sports. Game 7. Let's get it. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Have a great couple of days. Take your anxiety meds on Wednesday. We're all going to need them. Thunder up. What a freaking season. I mean, seriously. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.